but I'm not, I'm not going to make it a big deal. That's right. If you need to leave, you can leave, but I would encourage you to stay. Like I said, we don't apologize for what we did this morning with the kids. I think we need to do more of it. Amen. Amen. Yes. And now we're going to break the bread of the Word of God. Like always, as Pentecostals, the restaurants will be empty when you get there. It's a great thing. Let's get filled with the Word, and then we can go eat. Amen? Ephesians, the sixth chapter. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Last week, I had the opportunity to preach as well. Back-to-back Sundays, it's an honor. It's been a very chaotic time in my family's life, but it's good, man. It's good. God's blessing us and pouring the Spirit out and giving us strength and, and might and power, and, and, and we're just dealing with 50 different things. And God said, I'm going to have you preach in the busiest week of, of the year, and I said, good. And God's giving me a word each time. But I want to pray something over you that I prayed over you last week. In Ephesians chapter 1, you stand in honor of the reading of the word. It's Paul's prayer. As I mentioned, a time in my life when I was really struggling with the word and struggling with this revelation of Christ, and I came in the sanctuary and pastor was sitting over there in the corner and he, he said, man, go, go, go to these verses and read them. And when I read them, man, it was just like, bam, an illumination. And I pray that's what it is for you. But Paul's praying, but I want to be Paul today and I want to pray it for you. Verse 17. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. How many of you want to know him better when you leave this place? I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also into the one to come. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. We break it today, the break the bread of the word of God. Father, I pray that we would all have a revelation of who you are and who you want to continue to be in our lives. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, we're Lazarus. Come out. And he came out. Amen. He came out. But the cool thing was Jesus wasn't done with him. He said, take off the grave clothes. Take them off. No more. So we talked about that. But we hit on something last week. As soon as I said it when I was at this board seven days ago, I knew this is what I was going to preach about today. Today, I'm going to preach from the thought, agitate the anointing. Agitate. There's no dot there. Agitate the anointing. Now, we're going to do a what, why, and how. It's going to be very, we're going to be very, uh, yeah, what, why, and how. Very important we answer these three questions today. Anoint. Let's define some things. First of all, agitate. We talked about, I talked about with the kids and how everybody in here is a good agitator when it comes to your kids. You know the buttons to push. You know, me and Eli went to that Memphis Grizzlies game last week. We got some of those, uh, those things, you know, and like they just pound, yeah. And so uh, yesterday or today maybe it was, I, now it's the, I wake him up with it. I like, hit him hard and I agitate him and he gets up. So we know how to agitate our kids. 
we know what it means to be agitated by somebody. Um, and, 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 and so that's agitate. Then we get to the word anointing. And we know we take the word anoint out of anointing. And when we think about the Old Testament anointing, it, it happened to set people apart for service. They would anoint priests and kings and prophets. They would anoint them to be separate to be leaders, amen? And then you get into the New Testament, you look at the word anoint, and they anointed people with oil, especially the sick, and they would, uh, there wasn't no magic posted in the oil, but the oil represented just the Holy Spirit, and they would anoint people. And we do that here, we anoint the sick, amen? That's what James says to do. And, and, and so I like just simply to define the word anointing as another word for the Holy Spirit, amen? To be set apart, Man, when somebody's anointed that you know, you know something's different. When you just be around them two seconds and you know they're anointed man or woman of God. You know the anointing, the power of God, it just rests upon them. A couple of great examples. Go to Acts chapter 3. We're going to look at a lot of scripture today. Acts chapter 3. Peter was an anointed man of God. Amen? Acts chapter 3. It's one of my favorite stories representing how, man, when the anointing takes over your life, when you shake up the anointing, when you agitate the anointing, God will use you in ways that you can't think about. Amen? That's awesome. Verse 1, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And I believe with the power and the anointing of Almighty God, Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him them his attention, expecting to get something from them, expecting to get money. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have to give to you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. You don't have the anointing. If you don't agitate the anointing in your life, you can't just look at a homeless guy that can't walk and say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. But man, when you are agitated in the Holy Spirit, when you're agitated with the anointing that God wants to pour out upon your life, you do things like that. Peter was anointed. That was an example. Look at Paul, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. We're answering the question, the the what? What is the anointing? Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept doing this for days upon days. But finally, Paul got agitated in the anointing enough. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. Are you following me? Two examples of people who were agitated with the anointing. You know, it's one thing for you to agitate your son with a big old thing that you got at a ball game. But it's another thing, what the Bible says, stir up the gifts that's within you, Larry. Fan the flame that's within you. If Jesus Christ told me that I will be able to do greater things than him, I got to stir something up, amen? 
I can't just do it on my own, Larry. There's nothing special about JoJo. But that the Holy Spirit that rests in me, that's what's special. And I got to agitate it. So are we clear on the what, what agitation is and what anointing is? I think we are. Let's move on to the why. I tell you what, before we that, go to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. Isaiah chapter 61. Man, Isaiah the prophet. Man, you talking about some things that were downloaded to him. Isaiah chapter 61. Come on, the anointing means you're set apart. You're different. Your life looks different. You talk different. Everything about you is different. When people get in your presence, they just have to ask the question. There's something different about him. There's something different about her. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The prophet says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Amen? Turn over to Luke chapter 4. I'm excited this morning, church family. Luke chapter 4. I'm excited because I see what God is doing with my own eyes in our city, in our community. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. I love when a prophet prophesies in the Old Testament and then Jesus picks it up in the New Testament and he repeats it. That's just not coincidence to me. That verifies that the word of God is real, amen? From Genesis to Revelation. Jesus in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. This is Jesus speaking. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed, to, play, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen? Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I set out last year on a mission to when I preach that the majority of the words that come out of my mouth be Scripture. Amen? You can't go wrong with that. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You don't need my opinion. You need the Scripture this morning. Amen? 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. Paul, man, if there was anybody that agitated the anointing, it was Paul. The one that agitated Christians for so long. The one that, that agitated believers for so long had a revelation. That's why I prayed that over you. Had a revelation of who Jesus is. And now he agitates the anointing that's within him. Verse 21 of chapter 1. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. That's powerful terminology. Put his deposit, his spirit lives in you, church family. Amen? His spirit lives in you. And when you get that, when you get that revelation, Larry, you realize that you can do the things he asks us to do. Amen? You can evangelize. You can disciple. You can, you can lay hands on the sick and they can be healed. Jude chapter 1. Jude chapter 1. So why? We've answered the what, why. Why do we agitate the anointing? Why do we agitate the anointing? 
Because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That's why we agitate the anointing. That's why we agitate the anointing. Because in 2017, there's more talk of building recovery centers and orphanage than there is talk of building new churches. Are you with me? Why do we agitate the anointing? Why do we awaken the gifts that are inside of us? Because the the harvest is out there, but man, the workers are slim. Your churches might be filled, but the workers are slim. They're few. We need to awaken something inside of us as an individual because when you awaken the anointing that's within you and you bring that anointing, I've said it for years, you bring that anointing to the church and it matches the pastor, man, things begin to happen that that we want and need to happen, amen? So the why is because there's hurting and broken people in Heber Springs. I always like to keep it local because it is. We know it. The addiction is so desperate so in need they need hope they need light the 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 you know the foster care system you understand it hearing from me and i'm going to continue to pound you with it because we need help we're about to take on our fourth foster child did you know that this church and it's getting a little better but we need help did you know that this church just a few months ago made up almost over half the homes that are open in this county i praise god for first assembly of god but that's a problem Amen? That's a problem. When we have 54 churches in Cleveland County and we still have to send our own kids to another county, that's a problem. Amen? We need to agitate the anointing. We need to awaken, awaken the church. Amen? Awaken the individual and the church will be awakened. That's the why. Now let's get to the how. How do we do this? Jude chapter 1 verse 20. We've answered the what. We've answered the why. Now let's get to the how. There's three things we must do to agitate the anointing. The first thing we must do, and you're going to say, this is very, this is very uh, simple. This is very easy. I know this. But if we know it, then why don't we do it more? Pray in the word. How do we agitate the anointing? We get in our prayer closet, like Matthew says. We get in the room and we shut the door. The Bible says when you get in your room and you shut the door, what you pray in secret, God will reward you openly. Did you get that? Amen. You can have pastor come pray for you. You can have me come pray for you. You ain't getting in your room. You ain't opening the door and shutting it and doing what the word says. Man, that anointing's not going to be agitated and awakened. Amen. We got to pray. Jude chapter one, verse 20. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Man, that's why we seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit here. Because man, when I'm praying, Paul said, I pray in my understanding, but I pray in the spirit. I love when I pray, and then I get to a point where I still want to be in God's presence, and I'm just kind of out of my own words to pray. I just begin to pray in my prayer language, and it's like the power of God just comes over me because I'm praying. I'm agitating something that's within me. We got to pray. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. In churches... As a whole, I'm talking about this one. There's a church as a whole. There's a reason that the prayer meeting is the least attended event in the church. You call a potluck at the park, you'll have revival. You call a prayer meeting, you have six people. We have to agitate the anointing. I thank God for fellowship. We need fellowship, amen? Do not forsake the gathering. 
You're not forsake coming together for fellowship. But if we're not going to pray, if we're not going to awaken the gifts that are within us, amen? Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. It's amazing what happens when you get alone and you pray. You'll be strengthened. You'll leave that room strengthened. Amen? And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. I believe those words 2,000 years ago in that garden is the same words that he's echoing to Heber Springs. Wake up, come out of the tomb, put away the grave clothes and call on my name and I'll do things that this city's never seen before, amen? To agitate the anointing, we gotta pray. The second thing we gotta do just as important. We got to get into the word of God. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. We got to get into the word. That's why I'm so passionate about watching the girls ministries and, and the role rangers up here. Because I've been in the church vans before with teenagers. And I said, where's the book of Genesis? And they don't know where the book of Genesis is. And I've been in the church van with adults and I'm asking them to tell me the four gospels and they're not able to tell me. We say it a lot and I'll keep saying it. The biblical literacy is off the charts, off the charts. We have a whole section of people in the Bible Belt that says they're a Christian, but they have no idea what the Word of God says. That's where the power is. We have to stir up the, agitate the anointing. We got to pray, but we got to get into the Word of God. Hebrews 4 and 12 says the Bible is living and active. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Penetrating to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judging the attitudes and the thoughts of the heart. It's alive. People do that to me all the time. I'm doing it to him. It's alive. It's alive. That means when you read it, something has to happen. The Bible says when you read it, something's got to happen. That word has to do something. Don't you want something to happen in your life? Some of you are here, and your life is so dull, and, and it's like last week, you've just been in the cave, and you're alive, but your spirit is dead, and you need something to awaken it. The only thing that's going to awaken it is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. And it's great to listen to somebody on podcasts and iTunes. I listen to people, sometimes, mainly Dave Ramsey, but, and I suggest you do the same. But man, when you get alone with God and you open it yourself and you begin to piece it out, when God, when God called me 15 years ago back to Heber Springs and I was living in Conway and I came back and I, let, I lived with mom and I was working third shift at Walmart. You've heard this story. I'd come home and for three hours from seven to 10 o'clock in the morning before I went to bed, I'd read the word. God, I don't know what I'm reading. I don't know where you want me to start, but I'm reading. And I just began to take notes. And the more I did that, the more strength was built up in my spirit. I was agitating something. I was awakening something within me. The word of God will address the core issues that you need to agitate, amen? It's living and active. The second thing we must do, how do we agitate the anointing? The second thing we must do is evangelize. Evangelism and discipleship. Daily. Did you get that? Daily. Go to Acts chapter one, verse eight. How do you agitate the anointing? 
How do you awaken the Holy Spirit that's within you? You got to pray and you got to get into the word. The second thing you got to do is you got to evangelize and you got to disciple. I tell the teenagers all the time, when you accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you signed a spiritual document in the heavenlies. You filled out a spiritual application in the heavenlies that said you will be a disciple. You will evangelize. You will tell people about me. Amen? You will train. You will equip people. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus speaking, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In Heber Springs and in Concord and in Pangburn, you will be my witness. You will be my witness. Evangelism, telling the lost about Jesus Christ. Disciple, discipleship. Discipling those people that came down to the altar and gave their heart to Christ, then they walked out not having a clue of what's next. I've been one of those guys at times, praying with people, and just, man, they've accepted Christ, and then I'll never see them again. Shame on me. We've got to disciple them. We got to show them what's next. We got to show them the word of God. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Got to agitate the anointing. Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go, tell people about me. Not only with your mouth, but tell people about him by the way you live. And when you agitate the anointing, you'll begin to do things in your life. You won't even have to say anything. You evangelize and discipleship by your life. I tell people all the time, I'm not perfect. We are far from perfect. But follow me and my wife around for 24 hours and you will see what we're about. You will see what we've sold our hearts out to. And the only way we're able to do that is because we agitate the anointing that's within us. Amen? The third thing we must do to agitate the anointing, and I want to stay here for just a second, is you got to get angry at sin. You've got to get angry at sin. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. See, you kind of figured the first two on the how, but I think I might have surprised some folks with that third one. Ephesians chapter 6. We live in such an angry place, an angry society. Everybody's pointing a finger. It's everybody's fault. Everybody's passionate and angry about this and that and each other and people. But we forget what the Bible tells us to be angry at. We forget what the Bible specifically tells us to be angry at. And it's not one another. Husband, it's not you to your wife. It's not wife to the husband. It's not you to the preacher. It's not you to the boss. It's not the boss to the employee. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says clearly in Ephesians chapter 6, the 12th chapter, or the 12th verse. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Somebody needs to hear that. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The, the battle, the pit that you're in right now is not between you and that person. It might seem that way in the flesh, but the Bible says it's not between flesh and blood. That's clear verbiage. That's clear. The way they worded it is so clear. The battle is not between flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark 
world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms to agitate the anointing you have to talk yourself in whatever you got to do to realize you're not living in reality right now this is temporary i could walk out of that door today and get hit by a car god forsaken god forbid i do that i could die of a heart attack today today is temporary there's an eternal dwelling place that's next eternal and there's either one place to go or there's another and the Bible tells me I can't spend the small amount of time that I've got on this earth being mad at him. The Bible says if I'm going to get mad at anybody, be mad at him. Amen? And what he represents, he represents evil and darkness. I need to get mad at the devil. Say, what are you talking about? When you agitate the anointing in prayer, when you get in your prayer closet and you begin to get angry at sin, you begin to get angry at what sin is doing to your family. When you get angry at what sin's doing to your job place, when you get mad at what sin's doing to your city, you will begin to agitate something in you and that will rise up in you and your life will never be the same. I get mad, angry at what he's doing to my city. My city, the place I grew up, the place I love. I see what he's doing. In families with drugs. I see what he's doing with mamas and daddies losing their babies. I see what he's doing in the dark places of this city. And it's pure, 100% evil. And I'm not going to put all my anger towards somebody because they're sinning. Because I'm a sinner just like you in need of a Savior. The Bible said we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But if I take my passion and my anger and the junk we put on Facebook to rip each other and the stuff that comes out of our mouth, be reminded of what the Bible says. The Bible says you can't lift your hands and bless God and then bash your neighbor. You can't do it. But if we'll get angry at the devil, say that's crazy talk. Why is that crazy talk? You tell me you're a Christian. The Bible says fight your battles in the heavenly realm. You say, well, that's just good. No, that's not crazy talk. Because what I just read, Paul and Peter, when they begin to speak with the anointing and the power of God to those spirits, those spirits had to leave. I've told you the story. For some of you that I'll tell you again. I, I, we started fostering kids three years ago, and I knew it was going to be a spiritual warfare, a spiritual battle. But what, with Lily, was one of the most toughest spiritual battles I ever had. And there was one night where Ann was gone. She was gone to a volleyball game. And, and Lily was just throwing a fit. And if you know anything about foster care, man, sometimes you take a child, take you out of your house and sometimes out of your town and put you in a house you've never been in, you'll throw a fit too. She was throwing a raging, hellish fit. And it got to the point where it switched in my mind to, man, she's just throwing a fit too. This is, this is spiritual warfare. And I held her and it took all I had to hold her. All I had to the point where I, I had to let her go or I was going to hurt her. It was like holding a 17-year-old teenage boy. I've had to do that before. It was like that, and I just dropped her. And I began to pray in tongues, began to agitate the anointing within me, agitate it, stir it up, Jeff. She began to squeal and holler, but about five seconds later, she stopped. And didn't say a word again. She grabbed her pillow, and she laid down at my feet. She fell asleep. That spirit had to leave because I got agitated at the anointing because I got angry at sin. I didn't get angry at her mama. I didn't get angry at her dad. I didn't get angry at the foster care system. I got angry at the source, and the source was an evil spirit. The source was the devil. And if you don't think the devil's real, you probably need to quit calling yourself a Christian. 
Because if there's no devil, you don't need no Jesus. You got to be angry at sin. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. See, I'll be real honest with you right now. If I was still in my flesh, if I still function life in my flesh, I could be angry at a lot of people this week. People that say they're one thing, but they're acting totally different. But I refuse in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to get angry at the sin and not the sinner. Amen. Mark chapter 11. Jesus got angry. The next day, verse 12. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and a leaf, he went to find it. It had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise to the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it, is, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. He was angry at the sin. He was angry. He didn't come in there with hate towards those people because a lot of those people were selling things for good reasons, for sacrifices. Pastor mentioned a couple weeks ago, but he was angry that they had allowed sin to come into their minds and their hearts. He was angry. How do we agitate the anointing? Take the anger and the passion that you put towards other people and put it to the spiritual realm. It wasn't six, seven months ago, we had a whole nation that was angry. It wasn't six, seven months ago, we had a whole city. I saw more passion in some of you than I have ever seen in my life over the politics. Right? Be honest. I sit in some small groups, I was like, wow, I didn't know you were that intense. It's good. But so much of the stuff that happened in the political realm, so much passion that enveloped in every person was towards another person. Are you with me? And I'm no different. I had passion too. I couldn't believe, believe that he said, she said, that all this too. And, and it's so easy to get caught up in that. What if we were that passionate? Come on, somebody. What if we were that passionate? about the kids that will be taken into foster care this week? What if we were that passionate about the sin that has put a chokehold on our city called meth? What if we were that angry at the sin that has ravaged families in our own city if we took that much passion? Because there's some people I know in our city that six months ago, you couldn't shut them up. They were passionate. I can't believe he said that. She's this, he's that. And then six months later... You don't hear nothing. We got to get passionate about what's really going on. Trump, the White House, nuclear, this, that. It's really not reality. Reality, Ephesians 6 says, is in the spiritual realm. And see, when you agitate the anointing, when you pray and get in the word, when you evangelize and establish daily, when you get angry at sin, you begin to take your faith and put it into action, as James says. Faith without action is dead, the Bible says. You begin to do things. You begin to 
be a part of things that change people's lives. Did you know that there was, there's, I think it's over 20 kids have been through our church in the last year in the foster care system. I thank each and every one of you that has worked the nursery. I thank each and one of you that has talked to them. 20 different kids have come through here. Man, there's something to do, amen? We can put you to work. But you've got to agitate that thing that's within you, and that thing is called the Holy Spirit, and it's not a thing, it's a hymn. Some of you might have heard this. Aaron, you can come out and just play real soft in the background. Sheep, pastor taught on this a couple years ago. Sheep have a very, obviously, nice coat. They keep it clean. But sheep have a problem, especially in the ancient times, the biblical, biblical times. Sheep would have horrible infestations of flies and ticks, and fleas, and bugs. They would get on their coats, but not only would they get on their coats, they would move around. Not only would they move around, but they would get into the sheep's ears. Follow me. They'd get into the sheep's ears, and they'd get into the sheep's brain, and they would kill the sheep. Insects would be able to kill the sheep. So the shepherds figured out if they took oil, and did not just a little drop, Robert, but they would pour a bunch of oil over the head of the sheep and the coat of the sheep. They would cover the sheep with oil. Holy Spirit. That when the flies and the insects and the ticks and the fleas would attempt to jump on the sheep, they would slide off. They'd fall off. That's a powerful analogy to what we're talking about. When you agitate the anointing that's within you, negative things, bad things, temptations, will slip right off of you. You won't be tempted. I'll be honest with you right now. In our life, we ain't got time to be tempted. We ain't got time because we're so agitated. We're so angry at this. And we're doing so much of this and a lot of that. I ain't got time for no devil, no spirit to jump on me because I've agitated the anointing. And like that sheep, I want it to drip off of me. King David, when he anointed himself, he didn't just dab a little bit and anoint his forehead. He poured it all over him. He said, consume me. Consume me because I want to have a zeal for his house. When you agitate the anointing, he covers you. He covers this, he covers this, and he covers this. when this thing really just I'm so tired of talking to people who have been supposedly Christians they're not doing nothing and I'm not speaking to anybody in here I'm just speaking in general because we we have so much contact outside of the church we, we deal with so many people it breaks my heart when I talk to somebody and they're blessing God on Sunday but on Monday they're saying something totally different Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, agitate the anointing, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Psalm 23. My four-year-old baby Lily has this memorized. Her daddy doesn't. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I texted my wife this message yesterday. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And last verse, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. He needs Christians to agitate the anointing. He needs you city needs us. The city needs us. I can't tell you what this place will look like five years from now. That, yeah, that's short of time. It freaks me out to think about it. If people don't begin to agitate the anointing and begin to live out their faith on a daily basis for his glory and his honor. Church family, it's time for the culture to humble ourselves before an almighty God. It's time for us to humble ourselves before an almighty God and get out of this unrealistic Facebook little world, this bubble that we've allowed the culture to put us in and begin to agitate the gift of God that's within us. That he said, I said it before, and he said, you will be able to do greater things than I. I'm not going to ask anybody to come down. It's time to go. And listen, this isn't directed to anybody specifically. I'm not angry at anybody. I'm angry at this. Because I see it. I see what the enemy's doing on the kid level, on the infant level kid level, to the teenage level, to the adult level. <laughs> it bothers me. And I hope and pray it bothers you. But I know what can happen in you when you begin to do this. You will wake up no matter what you have to face. No matter how big the challenge is, you will wake up with spiritual confidence and you'll be able to square your shoulders. You'll be able to square your shoulders say in the name of Jesus everything I do today will glorify God everything I do today will lift up the name of Jesus bow your heads this morning
Father, I thank